Welcome to the latest episode of Creative You. Uh, my name is Reed Ogilvie. This is my partner. I'm Robin Hellstrom. And today we're going to be talking about uh, large-scale critical thinking-based changes in the classroom. I'll be quiet for a little bit because I think, Robin, you have some opening thoughts for us. I sure do, Reed. Um, when thinking about critical and creative thinking in social studies, I like the term critical creativity, which I've borrowed here from Intention, Critical Creativity in the Classroom by Amy Burville and Dan Ryder. They define critical creativity as using creative expression to demonstrate deeper thinking and the nuances of understanding content. Essentially, this means allowing students to show us what they know, to think critically, and solve problems in a creative way. That being said, creativity doesn't mean you have to be artistically talented. It's a way of thinking and doing um, something that anyone can learn about, practice, and get better at. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to be good at something artistic or super artistically gifted, it's just a way of doing. That's an interesting point. It's really important in today's schools that we do push the idea that creativity and skill in the arts don't need to be intrinsically linked because I feel it's too often pointed out that if you're not good at something you enjoy doing, then you shouldn't be doing it. Like, we encourage people in class who are good at drawing to continue on to art classes, but do we do the same thing with people who just enjoy art? Why is it seen as uh, you need to be good at something in order to continue, in, even in school where outwardly the goal is to learn? Um, yeah, 100%, I agree with you completely that I think like we kind of get really focused on being like a product-driven kind of society almost. We value what is done very well rather than enjoyment more and like that's not something I don't think we need to do in the classroom necessarily like to be able to value a student's creativity and their ability to think critically I think that looks a lot more like letting students follow where their curiosity takes them and getting them to feel comfortable with questioning much everything and examining concepts from all perspectives, challenging assumptions, and actively and respectfully listening to each other even if they don't necessarily agree. I agree with you 100%. And especially on the idea of encouraging and guiding students to ask more questions in the classroom to facilitate and build the roadmap for their own learning, which is basically we've once again stumbled into the concept that is recognized as inquiry-based learning in the classroom, which has been getting a lot of traction over the past few years because it does exactly what you just described. It moves away from the kind of set-in-stone curriculum-based learning we have been taught most of our lives, at least in our generation. Uh, growing up through the middle and high school systems in the past where there was a very set thing that was to be learned each day. You would go to school on, thir on a Thursday of the week 
and your teacher would be like, today we're learning about, if it was history class, it could be, we're learning about the Senate in ancient Rome. Or we're learning about this period of Mesopotamia and this thing they did, because that led into this thing that I'm supposed to teach you tomorrow. And if we get halfway through it, too bad, we're skipping over it, we're on to this other thing that I'm set to teach you on Friday. It didn't matter if half the class ended that day never understanding the topic, and half the class already knew it because of personal inquiries at an earlier date. That was what was being learned those days. But more and more teachers these days are moving on to an inquiry-based learning system that was pioneered a few years ago, where you simply introduce the topic and some basic inquiries about that topic, and you encourage the students to ask questions, and those questions in turn guide where the class goes from then on. If you get no questions about a topic you briefly talk about, you can sort of interpret that maybe they're either not interested in learning about that, so they won't pay as much attention, or they already understand it. And once you've gone through multiple other topics, you can go back and ask, hey, did anyone need me to go back over that? Is anyone interested in learning about this? And if they're not, and it isn't a critical topic like a fundamental principle of mathematics, which they'll need later in life doing their taxes or possibly working at their job, or a very fundamental life skill, like something you learn in home economics or sewing, healthcare, first aid, those types of things, is there really this incredible need for these students to get this topic they're not going to engage with? Because I feel like modern curriculum is held up as this sort of Ten Commandments tablet of things students need to know for their ongoing life. And as much as I love my discipline of history and philosophy, I'm sorry to say, but unless you are entering directly into a field where those skills are utilized on a daily basis, there is a lot of my discipline that is not necessary for a student to learn outside of interest. They need fundamentals, founding usually of their their nation-state, their neighboring nations, the world, tell them about the United Nations, the world wars, there's large-scale events that have shaped our modern society, but does the average student who thinks, I'm going to go off to college to be a lawyer, or I'm going to be a tradesman, I'm going to be a mechanic, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be a chef, do they need to know when the last emperor of Mesopotamia died? Do they need to know the names of the Roman senators who voted to split the empire into the Byzantine and Roman Empire? These are facts that are interesting, at least to some of us, but not necessarily relevant to students in 90% of the ongoing fields today. And it's only going to shrink as technology and access to information at an instant notice grows in the future with the implementation of more and more classroom and just life-based technology. We've already seen this with mobile phones and the function of a calculator. It's rendered useless the age-old teacher saying of, you won't always carry a calculator around in your pocket, so you need to know how to do these mathematical formulas in your head or on a piece of paper. We're still teaching those formulas to students when for years if not decades our rationale was, you won't be carrying a calculator around with you. So I feel we haven't gone through and done the large-scale rewrites of curriculum to adapt for the fact that a lot of our reasoning for creating these curriculums in the first place 
have become null and void with the implementation of large-scale technological change in society. What do you think about that? Well, I agree 100%, but while a lot of these facts are super interesting, they're not necessarily relevant for students' day-to-day -day lives, and I think we may get a lot more success out of our students if we are focusing on what is actually relevant and interesting to them and showing them why our curriculum and why our topic is actually interesting and why it is meaningful for them to know. Yeah, I agree. We probably is not relevant why like major career moves in or developments in most of what our prime ministers have done. Is that something you're gonna to need to know every day? No, but you should have a basic idea of the functioning of your country's levels of government. But there's more interesting ways you can engage students in that than just memorization. You make a very good point because like we've said, these facts are interesting, at least to us who have studied them in depth. But a lot of the times they are simply supplementary facts to extend the time it takes to teach about these topics to fill a whole year of school. I know everyone looking back at their school experience can think of several topics where they were thinking, this is just placeholder. This is just because each week has five days, every unit has a certain number of lessons, and if they were four lessons short to fill the time allotted for that unit, they needed to fill those four days with something and usually it needed to be a supplementary lesson about a topic that maybe isn't relevant, won't appear on the standardized memorization tests that most units are built around. So why is it there? Why is any of it there? And you hit upon a, a big thing that I want to kind of build upon where you talked about, is the career choices of most of our prime ministers in the past a relevant, relevant issue to talk about with modern students if it doesn't directly affect them? Some advocates would say yes. They would say we need to know the minutiae of the history of our country, but why? The age-old adage is those who don't understand history are doomed to repeat it. But I highly doubt a 7th grade student doesn't understand John A. Macdonald's motivation for signing several documents is doomed to enter politics, be elected prime minister, and enact policies that counteract those, or repeat their efforts and take Canada in a backwards direction, because they will learn skills that make those lessons null and void throughout their life anyway. Now, if you're entering political science or political history, yes, that would be relevant, but then you hit upon the larger issue in general of we keep students in standardized schooling, standardized multidiscipline schooling, for a large portion of their school life before they enter a specialty stream. And yes, this has real-world reasons behind it because we don't want to make students at too young an age choose their path in life and their path in schooling, but we've never really tried to have students select their path earlier in school. And most of that is because we don't want to expose a group of students to be the test batch for a new school system, but we need to start somewhere. Would it be possible to have students in possibly the ninth grade instead of the 11th or 12th grade choose the specialty path for their learning? If they've decided and they're committed to becoming, say, a political science major when they enter university, maybe they don't need their grade 11 and 12 social studies classes, they need political science classes. 
if someone is committed to becoming a mechanic. Maybe Thank you for listening to part one. Stay tuned for part two.